Trefa Podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia. And you know when you feel like you want to do or get more stuff done than you actually did? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of there. Uh, I know I got uh, through a major milestone, but, um, you know, I, I just feel like I should have gotten more done. And I don't know. I, I feel like that's always the case, but maybe because I don't have the pressure of an upcoming track day um, or race uh, coming up so soon, um, I decided to take a, a little bit of a knee on uh Sunday and not really uh, push myself uh, to work on the car. So maybe, maybe that's because I have a lot of faith in uh, what just happened. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but first, um, before anything else, I know there are segments that um, have become, um, you know, taken a, a life of their own. So... Before I, I give us a, a little bit of an update on the um, previous race with, like, not, not a lot of information, but just, like, um, some information that I got from the Southeast, I wanted to do kind of a little bit of a new one. So, this next sex segment is going to be... Beamer. So, Beamer update. So, as you know, uh, my good buddy, uh, John from 91 Octane is, uh, now going up against, uh, the, the team or, um, rather the series of, uh, of, um, speed ventures called the Beamer Challenge. So he had his first race, um, or first competition as a time attack, so not wheel to wheel, but, um. He had his first competition, and boy, howdy. You know, we we often, we, uh, I often talk about how awesome it is in SoCal that we have amazing weather, and we never really have to close down our tracks, and yada, yada, yada. Um, probably could have been closed down uh, for John's first, uh, first competition, and I think it was uh, shut down for a little bit. <clears throat> So, to give a, a little bit more um, kind of explanation of uh, what happened, um, John's first uh, competition with the Beamer Challenge was out at Willow Springs. Now, that's a track that I know he's really comfortable in, and, you know, he's really quick out there and um it showed with him being a uh, competitive in the uh tt5 class with nasa so i had a lot of high hopes for him and i don't know if you guys have been noticing but in socal the weather's been a little bit wild i mean it is really cold it is amazingly cold and it literally snowed at john's first race so perfect place to go out is a high-speed racetrack uh with the infamous turn nine and uh, turn nine and turn eight uh complex that you go in flat out um with a rear wheel drive car with a decent amount of torque and um no no major arrows so yeah you have just the perfect perfect scenario for uh john and 
you know, I, I gotta say, man, I, I'm really proud of him. Uh, not sure if he's listening or when he'll listen, but John, super proud of you. Um, yeah, he ended up, um, going out, um, you know, putting his best foot forward, uh, traveling there was pretty sketch. Most people, um, that have been following the news, uh, know that like parts of the freeways were closed down because of the snow and, um, it, it was causing a lot of a uh, havoc for us here because we don't normally get snow. So having that, um, kind of really, uh, messed up in some of the like, long uh lancaster palmdale kern county kind of areas because they started to get like a significant uh, amount of snow my buddy who lives over in uh what is it uh lake isabella his uh forerunner got buried in snow so i, I mean it, it was i mean he's used to seeing snow anytime that we have like a significant rain of snow there but still like it's pretty intense so John went out there, did an awesome job. Um, I was super confident in his abilities to go out there, and given that it's attracted, at least from what we spoke about, um, it seems like Beamer Challenge doesn't do that much. I figured that John would have a lot of uh, he he'd be in his you know he'd be in a sofa man like just chilling. So given that it was gonna have bad weather. I felt like it was even more on his side. So I think moving forward, John's going to have Big Willow really comfortable now that he's driven it in the snow. I mean, how how much more uh, uncomfortable can you get? And just to kind of uh, put a little bit of um, an explanation of how well John did. Um, So being fair, no one else in the his class uh, showed up, but in the classes above him, because I think he's racing in the lowest class. I don't know if there's a B6 in that class. Um, he did a 140.5. Uh, so I think he normally does like a 137 or a 136 um, lap time out at uh, Big Willow. And the class ahead of him, uh, the fastest lap was a uh, 140.3, and the class ahead of him there was a 140.2. So John was, I, I think, um, short of the incident that he had where he had a spin situation or kind of a loss of control in turn eight uh, due to like something going off with his alignment. Um, I think with that scenario. Um, not uh creeping up i think he could have possibly gotten below the 140 and would have made him the fastest in the uh class so given that he's in the slowest class and was able to um be that close to the faster class i mean very proud of him very proud of him so that will conclude our random deviation to the um afrobo um I guess it's Beamer. Beamer update. <laughs> yeah, Beamer. I, I, yeah. There we go. Beamer. <laughs> so, um, wanted to do a little bit of an update with um, Honda Challenge uh, for Southeast, and kind of like wondering why um, 
they um there was an issue with uh mr putnam and um what was going on there so without further ado have to do this contractually uh, obligated now uh whenever i talk about how much challenge <laughs> Whenever I talk about Honda Challenge, have to use that soundbite. So, um, that being said, uh, I was talking to uh, Mr. Kramer, um, who uh, did really well that weekend. Again, very consistent. Um, apparently, the race on Sunday went really late. So, um, yeah, the the explanation there was that, essentially, um, I think Putnam just went home. So... Thankfully, it was no uh, major malfunction or anything like that in terms of, like, it being a failure or the car, um, something bad happening to the car. Uh, so that was kind of a, re uh, a relief, I, I, I would say. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm happy that uh, the race... Um, that Mr. Putnam didn't show up for um, was kind of like a later one, and it was an, uh, an issue where his car or he were hurt. So, yeah, that's always good uh, to hear. Um, I think, <laughs> uh, again, being very critical of himself, Mr. Kramer was uh, stating that uh, he kind of ran out of talent, and that's why we got the um, kind of shuffling that we got from one day to the next. So, yeah, I, I think beyond that, that was pretty much all the information that I got um, from that. I, I did talk to Boston about that um, race event because, again, it was pretty spicy to see a, a change in, um, you know, finishing order from one day to the next. Racers are usually pretty con consistent unless there's um, some sort of mechanical issue or, you know, an off or an error like that. So I guess with that... That is, um, you know. Honda Challenge! <laughs> so that's the Honda Challenge update. Um, about last week's update. So, the EG currently. Um, I feel like this saga has been continuing on for a good while. Um, I can now confidently state that the transmission that has the final drive and lsd is now back in the garage with me um so yeah um carlos steve and eric um i owe a debt of gratitude because again they helped me out um with you know just volunteering their time to help me with that. And, you know, I, I have a lot of affinity for people who help me. Um, I really enjoy them and I enjoy them as a, you know, people that I like really like to talk to. And, um, yeah, I get along with all of them. And, uh, ever since, uh, meeting them, uh, racing and even prior to racing, I'd, I'd always lend a hand. And, you know, for me, it's not, not, um, I don't do it in the hopes of getting something out of it. I do it because I want to help other people out. And, you know, sometimes that's just like putting positive karma out there. I'm a big believer in uh, 
putting positive karma out there for you and hopefully it builds up into something positive coming back to you and i would say that um you know eric taking his time off um and going over on a weekend where the i mean dude it, it was miserable outside um so yeah uh carlos hit me up and um on saturday and after finishing uh walking my dog baxter who's passed out behind me i don't know if i don't know if we can hear him snoring or not um he hit me up and he's like hey man let's get this transmission done and um yeah they were working on the porsche uh, the spec boxer that they will be racing and, you know, doing an alignment on it, which is, you know, a little bit more difficult because, you know, German stuff is always so a little bit more difficult. So, uh, yeah, I think the track width on the rear versus the front is different. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm used to my EG, which is like square. Um, I, I still haven't done, um, an alignment, uh, or much of an alignment on my silver car, mainly because I have big old spacers up in front and I'm like, oh, this isn't perfectly square. So I'm kind of annoyed. Um, so yeah, like we, I arrived, uh, closer to 7 PM and we, we, um, were working on the, uh, Porsche to get the alignment done. And as the alignment, um, as we got the alignment pretty, pretty good. Um, and I, I say we, I wasn't really turning any wrenches. I was supplying the blue tape. And again, I've been known to hold a mean flashlight. So that's my level of, uh, helping, especially on a German car. I mean, I don't mess with things with wheel bolts. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I was able to learn a little bit more about that chassis. It's kind of like a weird um, modified McPherson um, suspension. And it, it's just kind of odd. So after we got that one done, um, Steve kind of gave me the garage to uh, work on the transmission. Um, meanwhile, um, me and Carlos were were in the garage and uh, Steve went, went inside. Because, again, it was miserable out there so it, it, it it's and of course uh steve's garage is like sealed and we had a little heater going in there but still i mean it, it was really cold and rainy and the rain was just not letting up this uh whole weekend so it's pretty it was pretty wild um yeah so i got the okay so let let's set it up we have we just we have a lot of moving parts so originally i have the s20 transmission that was in the eg that's the one that has over 300,000 miles on it so that one alone was in the eg and that one i ended up taking to them because we found out that that $70 transmission, which is the S41, um, and S40 transmission, um, that one, uh, it looked like the shift selectors were bent. So for that one, um, I, I couldn't really tell if it, anything else was, uh, 
like bent on that one, but I think that one's just going to be carved out for spares. Like, I think that one's going to be spare parts for the now good transmission. Uh, we're going to call that transmission number three that I opened up that I got from uh, a guy off of Facebook Marketplace that was in incredibly clean condition. Uh, I pulled out a bunch of uh, ABS plastic from um, it's weird. I still think that it's uh, f probably from a VSS sensor. Uh, the gear teeth on the bottom of the VSS sensor. Um, it uh, has. It looks like it's made from ABS plastic. And aside from that, the only other non-metal uh, component in the interior of the transmission is um, the oil guides, and those are made out of nylon and are transparent. Um, when you look at them. So being that it was hard ABS plastic, I think that's probably the one that, um, that messed up. So, um, I'm going to say that's, um, the VSS is the one that, um, that was, uh, messed up. Um, and that's where the plastic that I found in that one. So that's transmission three. So when I went over to, steve's we had um the 300k uh transmission and the 70 dollar one so i had already done the so when it's inside of the transmission you have two parts you have the main shaft and then you have the counter shaft the counter shaft is the one that um connects with the um ring gear off of the differential so those two are usually the ones that you um, swap out when you change your gear ratios. So the counter shaft that I had already assembled, torqued, and made sure everything uh, looked correct on the $70 transmission, um, I was going to take that one. <clears throat> I was going to take that one and move it into so taking the counter shaft from the $70 transmission moving it to the 300,000 mile uh EG transmission um and taking the LSD and ring gear and moving that over so it's literally just picking up those two parts and um, putting them in that one. But since I was already going to be doing that, and since I'm already going to be, <clears throat> I'm already going to be swapping those things over, I went ahead and bought the master bearing kit. So I replaced the, um, the main shaft and the counter shaft bearings and making sure that I didn't mess up the oil guide um that time because again those are discontinued for uh d series and i don't know where you're gonna find them if you need them so yeah so those are all together um and with eric's help honestly it went pretty easy the only issue that i ran into and i kind of feel dumb for not taking my dremel tool was and this was something that Carlos had mentioned, that when you put those bigger final drives, um, the Q 
gear can sometimes rub on the case. So the case is a cast part. It's cast aluminum. So those things, um, you know, they're not perfect. They're not CNC, so the tolerances can change a little bit. And there was some rubbing in. Because I didn't have my Dremel, I had to use a Christmas tree drill bit and kind of like rub it on the side and then use a file that... Uh, that uh steve had laying around again yeah not the best tools but then again um i literally left a dremel here and i was like oh, i probably wouldn't need it or i'm sure they have one over there did not if you're ever going over to your buddy's house and you think ah i might need i could bring this tool or i could not just bring it just just do it you're you're gonna you're gonna regret it it's going to be more annoying not to have it than to be carrying something extra. And that's why the trunk on my Silver Civic is always full of junk. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, that took... I, I think that was the longest thing that took us to uh, um, get in there. Because it was, like, at a curved area and I couldn't get the file to go straight down into it. So... Yeah, it, it didn't work out the way that I really wanted to in terms of getting it really grinded off. So I got it about 90% of the way there um, when we would put pressure on the differential and spin the LSD. Like we would just hear it just like slightly catch. And again, um, the gears are made out of hardened steel and the case is made out of uh, cast aluminum. So... There might be a little bit of uh, clearancing that happens. And given that I have to um, bet in the, um, what is it, the uh, LSD, there's like a specific uh, break-in procedure that I need to do. I'm not worried because I'm going to go ahead and uh, drain and fill and drain and fill the transmission. So um, that that's going to be fine. Um Luckily, I have more than enough um, manual transmission. I know for the LSD, the clutch type, they require mineral uh, oil, which is, as far as I'm, uh, as to the best of my knowledge, um, is just conventional oil. Uh, so I have that um, the correct way. I think I got those instructions from uh, Heel Toe who has that um and i'm gonna be installing that little by little this week um i figure after work i'll uh you know take my time and put that thing in there um i just finished um installing it with uh eric helping me out and guiding me and again thank you to him he's taking time off and he has a young child so i, I mean that I greatly appreciate him coming out to mess with my crappy T-Series transmission. So, yeah, um, you know, I was able to use my slide hammer tool and I learned from. Um, so if you if you remember uh, when I was using my tool, I ended up breaking the oil guide and the way that I solved it now was the slide uh, hammer that I used that has like two little prongs to come out and grip the um grip the bearing and then you just use the slide hammer to kind of tap it out i just shoved something in between those two uh prongs so it didn't allow it to clap together as i was yanking it up 
um, and using the um, the slide hammer hammering portion. So that kept it straight, and you know the the freaking uh, bearing came out really easily. And then I just installed all the new bearings and um, that are on the actual case. And you know um, what was it? I installed the new bearing, the new bearing onto the counter shaft, the main shaft, and also put in the new uh, oil seal for the main shaft because that one is a pain in the ass to do and there's no way to do it um without um taking the transmission completely apart so if you're there might as well swap it over because it's going to be a nightmare to do it again when it's not there so given that that transmission has <laughs> 330 thousand miles on it or 313 when i first bought the car um i felt like yeah I, I should just replace this it's probably heat soaked and freaking um hard as abs and not rubbery as it should be so yeah we got that taken care of um struggled a little bit to get the um gear sets in uh just to align the forks um with the selector but you know, with Eric being there and just being able to have somebody that I could really, like, lean on to make sure I wasn't doing things wrong um, was, was so helpful. So I'm still so grateful for that. Um, we got the whole thing together. Um, fought a little bit with some of the alignment uh, for the selector because that one has this one uh, specialty bolt with a with a um with a crush washer that you don't want to lose and yeah it's um it's a little tedious and it's a little finicky but once you get all of those things together you know i knew that the transmission was good and it was working um when i was driving the eg so theoretically if everything that i'm putting in there works well and it's fine and it's brand new and we put something um, together, it should still work. And um, for all the people that have been telling me, uh, and, and, and I need to give you guys credit by name, which was uh, Ronnie from Track Monsters, Sefer, uh, 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 Wires, Adam Jabay, uh, Mr. Bone, uh, the D-Series guru that I've been talking to, and... Um, what is it um just eric and carlos and pretty much every and oh how can i forget it? um special shout out to ghostworks who uh, i i am still like need to apologize to that man because i've been bugging the crap out of him and he always responds and i you know uh, i've taken advantage of that <laughs> it's just you know when you have somebody that is really knowledgeable and you're struggling with someone, you're going to bug them. And it's worse when they're like cool and like answer your messages. <laughs> so I, I, I need to apologize to him uh, in, in um, particular uh, because, you know, I'm not a client. I'm not paying him. So I, I, I feel shitty for taking somebody who's you know a one-man business uh time about that and I, i've told them that uh many times so um yeah 
So all of those people had told me to bench test it, and we bench test the transmission after it was there. And, you know, it went into all the gears, guys. It went into all the gears. So now that we've reached this point in the transmission build, what have I learned? What are my takeaways? Should you do it? Should you not? Mm. Here's my thought about it. I struggled like hell. And, you know, if it wasn't for Eric um, telling me that the previous transmission, and or to be fair, it was Carlos who first pointed out that the bolts were missing. Um, I wouldn't have figured that out. And I didn't see them missing, so I didn't know. Um, and because of that, I really struggled. Now, had I gotten a transmission that was actually good um, and not the $70 one would which was uh, missing a couple bolts will that will now be a spare part spin, which is still pretty cool that I have, you know, all of those gears are good, uh, main shaft, counter shaft, um, OEM LSD, or OEM um, differential, ring gear, all of that stuff, and essentially um, casings, uh, main case and then the little cone part, Those will be good spares that if ever I need something like that in the future, I will have them and those will be helpful. Would I have struggled the same? And I don't think so. I think I would have been able to get everything together, put it together, slap it together and have, um, and have it, uh, going in there. But because I've struggled so much, I've learned a lot I've learned too much. I, I, I cannot unlearn what I've learned. <laughs> Things that you learn through traumatic f failures always teach you more. So I feel like I've learned a lot from doing this thing. And would I do it again? And the answer is yes, only because I had people that I could go back and help me with it, which was Carlos. And originally, that was not the plan. Um, but also the parts that I was playing with, they're D-series transmissions. Yes, have D-series parts gone up in price? Absolutely they have. But if I was doing this with a Type R transmission, I can't go on Facebook Marketplace and then, you know... <clears throat> Go out there and tell somebody, hey, I'll give you a seat rail and 160 bucks. Can you give me your B-series transmission? That's not going to happen. It's kind of like K-series transmission. So because they are still dirt cheap um, and you can find them, and if worst case scenario, you have to take one out from a junkyard, um, which uh, theoretically you could bench test um, while it's in the car because it would still probably have the shift linkage and everything in there. You could test it out there and just pray to God that everything is, is as it should be. Um, you could still get those in the junkyard and that's like two, like $300 uh, with um, pick your part plus like maybe four hours. It, 
to take it apart at the junkyard. Four hours for someone who doesn't know what they're doing like me. And, you know, yeah. So, would I do it? Uh, again, yes. Yes, I would do it again. Insert the goofy uh, meme uh, face of, like, I'll effing do this again. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I would uh, do it again, mainly because the um barrier of entry which is the cost was not that high i could get another transmission and i did end up getting another transmission and um you know they're still not like hoarded like i'm probably going to be hoarding um but yeah um messing around with those i i did learn a lot uh about the differences and obviously some of the differences between the 92 to to 95 the uh s20 transmissions um versus the 96 to 2000 the s40 transmissions um is that the shift selectors are made out of steel for the later ones and the older one uh the eg chassis ones ej ones are made out of uh, the gear selectors are made out of aluminum and tend to break on the ends of them uh where the shifter selector is goes into the um ring that selects the gear and that was like a carryover from the 88 to 91 uh crx transmissions or essentially the d16 a6 uh transmissions so um those have the same type of shift forks and or gear selectors or i think it's shift fork i i forget um but i i'm not sure if that's uh yeah never mind losing myself in my own train of thought so um yeah i think i would do it again and knowing the differences there is something very crucial and um again credit to mr bone because i was uh talking to carlos about this weird scenario where he got a final drive um, and had to clearance it because it was too long and not allowing um, them to close on the case um, when they were installing it on his CRX. And when I talked to Mr. Bone about this, um, again, D-Series transmission guru, we we were um chatting back and forth and i asked him i'm like i you know i I asked him um what's up with um like this specific brand Um, i'm not going to name them because again um i i don't want to i don't want to be mean to people who make parts for our cars because uh as ej2 track rat has so blatantly pointed out um we don't get a lot of uh parts from honda because they don't make it so if there's a company taking their time to make parts for us i kind of want to continue that and not bash anybody especially when it was not really an issue with their manufacturing process so it turns out that the counter shaft for 92 to 2000 the hydraulic transmissions are about like three mil too tall 
for the CRX uh, D16A6, the cable transmissions from 88 to 91. Those are 3 mil shorter. So if you are going to buy one of those and you um, have a CRX, um, you need to verify and like double or triple check that you are getting the one that's a little bit shorter. And, you know, it's, it's wild because Carlos ended up having to clearance it and, you know, taking the Makita and cutting the freaking thing to get, uh, that was obviously not the ideal scenario, but that seems to be an issue that, uh, Mr. Bone had, uh, talked about and essentially said that he's seen that happen a lot where they send the incorrect part. Um, so, you know, something you have to be careful of whenever you're ordering parts, uh, for that one. Um, especially because the, uh, as you can see, 92 to 2000, we're talking about an eight year range range where 88 to 91, you're really only talking about a four year range. Um, so more people are going to have that one in stock and because it's Honda, you know, our, our cars are essentially Legos and people want to mix and match, but he has an LSD. Can it fit into mine? And I believe the eight LSDs, uh, and differentials are pretty close. Um, I think the LSDs will work on each other. So something from like, um, 88 to 2000, I believe they're all the same part number, but the final drives are going to be uh, unique to the CRX is the 88 to 91. So you have to be kind of careful on that one, or you could just clearance them and you know, thug life, uh, Carlos did it. <laughs> but yeah, um, aside from that, obviously because of the, um, metal and uh, aluminum uh selectors the uh reverse um selection gear which is a or it should be a gear it should be mechanism that goes in to the side of the uh main shaft it's actually unique uh to to the um s20 and the s40 so again s40 being the 96 to um to 2000 and the s20 being um the uh one from the 92 to 95 eg so those are very different so try not to mix those up i believe um the reverse gear is the same um so yeah uh a lot a lot to learn um i can say that we now have that button kind of or that situation buttoned up, I will be moving ahead and uh, literally grabbing that transmission and rolling it up uh, to the car and start working on that one sometime during this week. Um, I, I mean, dude, and again, shout out to Eric for helping me out. He stayed with me and even helped me load it into my uh, GX470 um, when I left, uh, Steve's house, but we finished around 11 and it, it just took so much time 
to clearance the casing. It wasn't a lot. It was just like barely rubbing on there. But because I didn't have a Dremel, I, I was using the tip of a Christmas tree um, drill bit. So if, if anybody knows uh, what I'm talking about there, those are not ideal <laughs> for that. I was like at a weird angle and trying to see where I was getting. But again, it was like every third rotation you'd hear like a sh and that was it. So I'm... I'm about it. I I believe in it. Um, I'll just fill and drain the the transmission fluid um, two times before I go out to the track and put in the good transmission fluid, which I'm still going with the uh, Smurfs blood uh, based off of the uh, Subarus. So if you don't know what that is, I, I think you can Google Smurfs blood. So, yeah, that's uh, what I'm going to be going with. Aside from that, I did order some brake ducts uh, for the EG. I'm going to be figuring out how I'm going to mount those and uh, do that to give the car a little bit more um, brake cooling. Because I noticed that um, last time um, I had to replace the caliper um, because it was leaking. So I want to try and... Uh, mitigate those uh brake temperatures um so braking wise I, I didn't feel any issues but then again you know i had the issue of the o-ring on the rate on the master cylinder cap um kind of over like being like it, it just expanded so i guess i possibly could have boiled the brake fluid but again the pedal felt nice and firm it felt good and the seal on the on the brake uh brake caliper was leaking a little bit so i want to just try and keep those temps a little bit down since i'm guessing i'm just barely passing the those uh temperatures or that operating um temperature and given that we have a final drive now and i'll be lot more aggressive um than everyone else with the um shorter tires going with the 225 45s instead of the 225 50s that everyone else runs i hope that that will give me a little bit more oomph and finally get me into the show with everybody else and then you know i just have to work on being consistent hitting my marks and then hopefully being a nuisance for uh, the guys and start working my way up the uh, up the pack. My goal is still for the 2023 season to get into the top three. Um, if I can maintain the car, if it stays together, and if I don't do anything stupid... Um, I think I have a good shot at being consistent and going to as many events as I can um, and competing against the, the guys out there and just being consistent. Um, I think I can get up in the top three, um, given that I wasn't very consistent last year, didn't go to many of the events, and finished in the top six. I, I feel like if I give a little bit more of an effort, the car's a little bit better sorted out, um, I have a better opportunity. And, you know, I just have to capitalize on uh, people's mistakes and just make sure that I am 
consistent learning and improving at every event. And that's going to be what I will be shooting for. So with that, guys, we have a podcast. I want to go ahead and uh, say it again. Um, Very proud of the homie uh, John and his first competition out there. Um, It was a horrible setup. And he made the best of it and really made me proud out there. Um, You know, showing them that, you know, he's no joke. And he... He's somebody that they should be worried about because if he's already uh, catching up to the times of the the fastest groups of, ahead of them, um, they better be worried. So, yeah, congrats on your first place finish in B5 uh, Beamer Challenge, uh, John. Uh, thank you again to Eric, Steve, and, um, <clears throat> and um, Carlos from Bean Dogs Racing. Um, wishing nothing but success for them in their future endeavor for the, uh, Porsche. I'm going to try and see if I could go out there and help them out, um, at one of their events just to get like an idea of what a Porsche owners club is. Not sure if I would, uh, run with their organization, uh, for an event or test or what have you, but it's a possibility. Um, aside from that, um, you know, thanks to everybody who's helped me with the D series transmission. Again, I, I can't thank you enough for dealing with my annoying, uh, inquiries and how long it's taken, but I'm so excited to now have the confidence to be able to, again, have, uh, have working on, or rather have the confidence to work on the transmission. Um, Hopefully, hopefully not, not now by myself, you know, I, hopefully I won't need to go to Eric to help, to get help anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, my plan now for the spare transmission, that is transmission number three, the one that was really clean with, uh, bits of ABS plastic in it is that I'm going to be looking at the gear X final drive and I'm just going to have that transmission with a 4.9 final drive just all set to go cleaned and um assembled and just like slapped together so that god forbid anything happens to my current transmission i can go ahead and have a working transmission that i know is good with the correct uh final drive and uh gear set and counter um counter shaft already set up so that I can literally like slap it in and just be like, boom, let's go. And for a track like big willow, the LSD wouldn't be as bad of a failure or as bad as something, um, as much of a, uh, hindrance in comparison to a track like, um, button willow where I would need really need that again. Super excited. I've never driven with a really aggressive final drive like that one on the EG. I hope it really does wake it up. Um, and I'm just like really excited. Um, it's, it's been kind of like a weird lull. I haven't been out to the track in a while and I feel super rusty. I feel, you know, slow physically and, and mentally for that. So I need, I need to get back up, get back up in pace. So 
I see a lot of people's uh, builds and it's really inspiring, you know, seeing Type R Lee, um, seeing uh, that crazy <laughs> freaking TSX being built for H1, seeing Boston, seeing, um, you know, EJ2 Track Rat, just, do... and again, if you're not following that man on his YouTube page, you should be. I love the way the car looks and I love the freaking fake, uh, the trim molding. I, I love it. I think that's so freaking cool. So with all be with all that being said, guys, we have a podcast again. Thanks for liking. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for, uh, listening to my random nonsense about crappy little D series transmissions. And hopefully, um, you know, you guys learned something from this because I, I know I have. And with that, that's our show for today. See you next Monday. Thank you.